You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of Tio Cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, it's time to close out the Showa era. It's 1975's The Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Hi, hello, hello, everybody. hello, everybody. Uh, what happened? We were just having a funny conversation before we officially started recording, and yeah. I, I, um, I couldn't stop laughing before we, uh, um, before we got started. Just a, a brief look into into that Grease, the the film Grease, the is, film musical, yeah, is a weird movie. It's a stupid movie. <laughs> stupid movie. But we're not talking about Grease Lightning. We're talking about Zilla Lightning. Go Godzilla, you're gonna crush Tokyo. Godzilla, go Godzilla. Well, in the last movie, he did have electromagnetic powers, so I guess Godzilla Lightning does. Zilla yeah. Lightning does fit. Anyway, so getting back to Godzilla, Nick, uh, how 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 are you doing? Doing good. I'm doing good. We're uh, at the end of an era, so I'm yes. excited to to kind of get into this as we as we celebrate the summer of Dalton. On James Bond's side, we celebrate the summer of Mecha Godzilla, yes, kinda, kinda, and uh, as we bring to a close, because because Go- Mecha Godzilla started in May, but May is kind of pre-summer, sure. So, so it's kind of falls into summer. Hey, listen, you know, Black Panther came out in February. Hey, all year's the summer. It's one hundred percent all year summer uh, blockbusters. Yeah, um, but anyway, uh, be- before we talk about that, uh, as sometimes we do. We talk about other uh, news going on in our franchises. Yeah. And last time we talked a little bit about next steps for Bond. Some news is coming out for next steps in Godzilla. Toho's Godzilla. Yes, yes. We haven't talked about this. Uh, as Toho, uh, to my understanding, is going to be moving forward on their own Godzilla kaiju universe, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Probably just going to start making more monster movies again, yeah. which is what I kind and, of and assuming read it so. As. Like, what it also means is that, like, not you know, there's been a focus on Godzilla, but you know, potentially we could get like a new Mothra standalone yeah. movie, which and... I would say absolutely, you're yeah. going to get a new Mothra, uh, may perhaps a Rodan, uh, and fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Will and I have talked about this. Maybe even a jet jaguar. <laughs> I a hundred percent want to go. Like, let's just pitch toho let's find a way to email toho right we'll pitch them our jet jaguar eclipso movie we can we can fold eclipso into the jet jaguar movie right and i think we've we've got money we've got money so we just take the plot of i like godzilla fighting eclipso i know but maybe you know this will be our backdoor pilot we're gonna do godzilla versus megalon again yeah and try to get and then we'll we'll tease eclipso in that one yeah a part of how we do the cinematic universe part i actually thought like i I had like this thing where it's 
you know, sometimes I think about, like, for instance, Godzilla versus Eclipso. I often think about what to do with a Godzilla franchise. Now I'm thinking about it after doing Megalon. I'm more interested in a uh, J- Jaguar. Like, I think like that is because that would work because it's like an old school because it's all about like getting like the old school pull. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if Japan feels the same way about, but you know that that would do gangbusters here. Probably not because nobody knows who's, who J- Jaguar is. But you know what I mean. The Our other card. option for that, we could do like. Yeah, we don't want to. If someone doesn't feel like we can kill the big budget, full scale movie, yeah, Jet Jaguar animated series on Netflix would kill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Because everybody likes that Voltron. Yeah. Cartoon. Exactly. Right? Just make it like you know, and then then you can do you can do cameos from other kaiju and yeah. like make it like a little mini Godzilla animated series, but from the perspective of a Jet Jaguar. You know what? Make this live action Jet Jaguar movie just so we can get the Netflix cartoon. Movie. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. that's yeah. what I would say. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Or and I hear there's like rumors that they're making also a King Ghidorah movie. But they're making like two of them. Like one's like the old King Ghidorah, and I think Joaquin Phoenix is playing like the new King Ghidorah. You know, it's kind of like a villain centric, you know, little low budget, right? Because because it was weird when they put "damaged" on the yeah. forehead of the, the 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 new old King Ghidorah, spelled out over the course of the three heads, just two letters each head. Yeah, yeah, and you know, he had like, uh, it, yeah, it was a weird choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm. anyway, uh, but that that is actually exciting. I well, have no, yeah, and because because really, we've discovered that like Godzilla is like. The original cinematic universe, like these, the Showa era, which we're gonna, you know, wrap up today, yeah, has been about like, oh, like here's a Mothra movie, and then oh, Mothra versus Godzilla, and yeah. oh, here's Rodan, and oh, here's all these monsters from Destroy All Monsters, and here's all their movies and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I am interested. I have yet to actually see Shin Godzilla, which is the most recent Toho live action mm-hmm. movie. So we'll we'll see where they go. I know yeah. the sequel to the animated movie. Is uh, coming out, yeah. In which I think right. Mechagodzilla is going to be in that as well, because mm. <laughs> that was kind of like in the. We never really talked about it in de- detail, but the animated one that came out, mm-hmm. there was there's a hint towards Mechagodzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because so. I know like they also said that like Shin Godzilla would be kind of standing on its own, and then this new cinematic universe that they're doing would be kind of a brand new thing. Yeah, yeah, and that that is kind of more modern Toho. You know, they make clear lines in the sand of like, all right, this is going to be a continuation. This is a standalone. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have no, no real plump. issue. Yeah. Which with I mean, doing it's fine. It I think, and I yeah. think that's honestly the way to go about it. Cool. Um, all right. So back to present day in which we're talking about past Back to the past. Days. Yeah. Present past. Future. Back to present's past in the year 1975. Mechagodzilla returns again, Nick, in the terror or just terror of Mechagodzilla, a.k.a. Uh, the Terror of Godzilla, mm-hmm. or a.k.a. the Counterattack of Mechagodzilla. Terror of Mechagodzilla and Counterattack of Mechagodzilla are both excellent types. I kind of like Counterattack, but it's got to have... That only works if it has, like, an exclamation point. Yeah. At the, the, the Counterattack Or if you stylize it where there's a slash between counter and attack. <laughs> Well, you know, well, they couldn't use it in this title, but that's when like a scratch mark would be like two. Yeah. <laughs> because Nick, uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla acts as a direct sequel to our 
last film, yeah, Godzilla very versus interestingly because it's been a it's like we, we obviously these movies are kind of in a certain continuity, like it's kind of you know in and out of just like oh here's you know individual adventures, but mm-hmm. like it's the first time we've really had like a direct continuation of yeah of one very explicitly very so. explicitly other than like that original like where it was like the how like Mothra Ghidorah and. Ibira kind of had like a trilogy feeling to it sometimes right, just in right. terms of how it connected spiritual with the trilogy yes, spiritual yeah. trilogy whereas this one is is very interesting that it's a very more direct sequel so uh nick 15th film in the godzilla franchise mm-hmm. sequel to the last film and the end of the showa era of godzilla films the first defined era by filmmaking by fans uh so why don't we hop into it let's do it all right, so Nick, um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Japan at the time in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. What's going on in film, Nick? Do you know? Well, I, I'm about I, to in, tell you. In, in Japan specifically? Yeah. Well, there was a Godzilla movie. Yes. And there is probably another Godzilla <laughs> movie right now. Other than that, who knows? Well, I can uh, shed some light on that. Yeah. So looking at the entertainment landscape of 1970s Japan, um, there was actually a drop in audience attendance at the cinema mm. due to that fickle mistress television. Television is gaining all the attention. It's getting all the eyes. It's getting all the butts. Not only in seats, they're keeping them in the seats mm. at home, Nick. Ooh. And those seats aren't in the cinemas. Yeah. They can't watch movies when their butts aren't in cinema seats. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Do you follow? No, I got you. <laughs> no, it's just interesting because immediately you compare it to the fears of American cinema in the fifties. You're getting ahead of me. I have a. Yeah. There's an interesting parallel hill here. So as that's going on, and I think this is quite interesting because last time when we were talking about a um, couple films ago, Godzilla versus Megalon specifically, mm-hmm. we were talking about the inspiration for that movie and Jet Jaguar specifically was the uprising of of those um cartoons and series that revolved around like robots and uh you know fighting mechs uh the kids and like superheroes essentially Mm -hmm. uh for uh, japanese kids and that was like the big hot ticket item to why that was incorporated into that movie and so already you kind of had a little bit of uh, that TV nature getting the audience, but only at a kid basis. Now it's like TV is the thing, mm-hmm. and nobody, not a lot of people are going to theaters anymore. So kids can stay at home watching their silly things. Parents can stay at home watching their parent things. Why go to the movie? So film companies fought back in various ways, such as much bigger budget films um, <clears throat> or increasingly more niche uh, films. Now, what's interesting about this is, does this sound like a parallel to any current <laughs> uh, practices in uh, our film industry, which I think is yeah. really funny? I mean, it was, it's, it's just interesting because like, when you go back to the original invention of television in the 50s, there was that fear that, like, oh, television is going to kill film. But like mm-hmm. in America, at least, that was very kind of unfounded. And in fact, in America, it turned out that you know, using television kind of to promote film was a big thing as well that became, you know, kind of how they did it. And and really, like, it really didn't play a big factor into into that. But nowadays, well, it's you know, inter- there's, a lot, there's a lot that's going on, especially with Netflix and, mm-hmm. and you know, prestige television and, and stuff like that. Well, the reason I said I thought it was a very interesting parallel to current day 
Hollywood is because now and whether how what side you fall on this or how extreme you are, I'm not sure if you and I are as extreme about this, but the common kind of narrative that a lot of people say is like, all right, TV is where it's at right now. Uh, you know, on either on you know cable or streaming services or whatever that you know that that's where the quality mm-hmm. stuff is. That's yeah. what everybody wants right now. And the film, uh, the uh, the big studio films, are more of like bigger tentpole things. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's the narrative. That's that, the narrative. Uh, and that's um um out there right now. So it's just interesting that, you know, we're seeing this thing going on in Japan that we see here. Um, and then especially like creators and directors being a little bit more niche in their productions. Now, uh, it wasn't quite as, uh, it was a little bit different in Japan at the time. Cause one of the niche, uh, productions that filled a lot of, uh, moviegoers was, uh, something called the pink film industry, which is AKA the sex film industry. <laughs> I was going to actually guess this. This was now, uh, apart from like bigger budget films, uh, the next big thing was kind of like shock factor in movies, whether it be like some violence in other movies or the big ticket item was uh, put boobs in it, mm. put nudity. Like, come on, let's let's get them all, get all the horny people into into seats. Um, I'm, I'm never. I'm not going to go into what I was just thinking, but never go ahead. Yeah, is that another Grease reference? <laughs> no, it was uh, probably a lot more disturbing than Grease, and Grease is already a disturbing movie. Um, but uh, the '70s also saw. Um, this is separate from because you know the, don't want to get these two confused. Uh, but other than that, going on another thing that was going on in Japan entertainment at the time is that there were several films starring um, young idols, and it was very much like popularity based. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want to want to mix them. Yeah, up, yeah. Right? <laughs> All these sex crazed movies with these idols, these teen <laughs> idols that are out there. Ew, that see that sounds way too much of a parallel to Hollywood. <laughs> 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 but the, but I do bring that up because that's also another funny parallel because that is another narrative you hear is that and especially I've talked to many people who work in either entertainment or um, as actors or actresses that you know being kind of like an idol is like kind of valuable in your in your uh in your career like mm. there's a lot of attention to like you know your your online presence and your instagrams and it's in your youtubes and it's kind of silly to to hear but that is kind of like a big factor in right. how people get eyes on them unless like you're already like a more established actor or something mm-hmm. but toho will continue to do their thing because they already kind of have that market on like, all right, like the big budget silly thing. Yeah, and they're like, well, we don't need to give Godzilla boobs. (laughs) (laughs) That's maybe a step too far. They could have come up with like another monster though. Like, uh, Well, they could have gone back to Mamagon. (laughs) Yes, it could have. All the way. The Wasn't mo- that in Geigen? Geigen, yeah. yeah the, the, the monster of strict mothers. <laughs> um, but Toho, uh, you know, they have it in the bag with the big, bigger budget films, um, or seemingly bigger budget, with the Godzilla monsters. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla was received very well. Yep. Um, so they wanted to continue off of that. Uh, but they wanted to maybe go not a slightly different direction, but churn out a little bit more of a polished product this time. And in order to do this, uh, they brought back icons of the Godzilla franchise, Ishiro Honda Whoa. and Akira Ifukube, to direct and compose 
respectively. I missed that. Yeah. Honda. <laughs> I, I know you said he was coming back, but uh, yeah, this, the, is, this is... Uh, since his uh, last... Very uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. this, this actually uh, has some makes me have some thoughts. This would uh, be uh, Honda's returning uh, to the Godzilla franchise after All Monsters Attack in 1969, mm. your favorite Godzilla film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't his last one. Yeah. I now, well, an interesting note, um, as I was doing more research on Honda himself... Uh, he has marked All Monsters Attack as being his favorite of the Godzilla films that he has worked on. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> this, uh, so there were varying reports. Let's talk. So, about Honda, real quick, about him coming back. There have been varying reports about him maybe not being as passionate about the franchise as you would think. Mm. Like maybe it would be, I I didn't I've never saw any disdain for it. Not like um, a June Fukuda type yeah. of thing. Yeah, no, not like that. But it, it's more of like, oh, it, it's like a job, and you know, yeah. he comes and does it. He had I think interests in other things, but he didn't mind doing this. But one of the reasons apparently there were reports of him being very happy to come back for this is because uh, he hadn't actually worked on a film in uh, five years up at this point. His last film was in um, nineteen seventy. Um, on a non-Godzilla picture, and um, let's see, I, there is a report in here, Kensho uh, Yamashita was the chief assistant director on the project, he notes that Ishiro Honda never actually assigned any uh, shooting to the assistant director, uh, because he was happy to do it himself, because there was a huge gap in his working career, because that's also interesting to note because it's like, all right, five years, and sometimes, you know, we see directors who are either working on a movie or, you know, it takes them two or three years before a movie comes out. But think about these Godzilla movies and how often Honda worked on them and how much they pumped them out. And he wasn't only working on Godzilla movies. Remember, he was doing Rodan. uh, He was doing... um, the. Uh, I think it was called the 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 Martians or something. It was it was another uh, alien base, but he was doing tons of these movies. Dogura, yeah, Dogura. That that's what it is. Um, I know <laughs> I know these things now. But but think about it. Like that was a career of just pumping these movies out. Oh yeah. So like five years of not doing any work. The only recorded work he did was like a short film. Um, so that 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 is a that is quite a bit of time yeah, it's, uh, it's between a gap. working. It's a gap. Yeah. Um and especially like if you're just not doing any work, not even developing movies and especially probably how old he is at this time and stuff like that. Yeah, so definitely. ageism and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um so Honda is back in the directing chair in the director's chair. If Akube um is back um providing an original score for the first time since 1968, Destroy All Monsters. Um, Ivakube's themes and scores has been in movies like, since re- then. Reused, yeah, yeah, reused. yeah. So this would actually be... Uh, a new him, original yeah, score. New, which was interesting, because as we were watching the movie, because um, he, I didn't kind of... I had to re-remind myself he did the score for this. Uh, but, like, this one full-fledged uses, like, the original Godzilla theme yeah, which, in which, quite an effective way. Which really way. hasn't, like been used a lot since that original movie like right it's, it's it's maybe there in like bits and pieces but this one uses it extensively and it was nice to see it kind of return because it's a good theme that's why we use it in the beginning so um in terms of the movie getting made the screenplay because believe it or not some of these movies actually have screenplays Ooh. well all of them do <laughs> well i mean like 
Megalon barely had a screenplay. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Megalon it barely... had a screenplay. It had no time to shoot it. Yes. <laughs> um, the the screenplay for this movie was submitted by Yukiko Takama, uh, Takayama, uh, who was the winner of a Toho story contest, and her script was picked by the assistant producer Kenji Takoro, and the film was put into production a mere four months after the release of Mecha so Godzilla. This was a story contest. Yeah. They like, now, their, they like their contests. They do like their contests, but their the, the script did go through various okay. other yeah. like rewrites and phases mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, the original story was mostly maintained in what was shot in the film. Um, but, uh, but there were some differences. Um, most of them were due to budgetary constraints that limited the scope of the film. Um, the ending of this film was supposed to take place uh, with the monsters laying waste, leveling... Tokyo in their battle. Remember, Nick, movies, they got to get butts in seats. I cannot <laughs> I cannot reiterate how much they need to move the butts into cinemas. Now, if I heard like, oh man, these monsters are going to level Tokyo, that's going to get my butt into a movie seat. But unfortunately, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. They couldn't do that because the budget only called for a very uh, more cost-effective route, and that was just put it out in a field somewhere. <laughs> which, which has been kind of the norm with right. these past couple Godzilla movies. It's like in every Power Rangers where they like they fought in a quarry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like the one budget, like there's this one big explosion, yeah. but then the rest of them are pretty mild explosions. They have like one explosion day. Um, so that was like the another that was one another big one was that um, originally Godzilla was supposed to be fighting Mecha Godzilla and two other kaiju called Titans that would combine to make one ultimate kaiju, uh, but that was also too expensive. So they just went for the final monster as the secondary main antagonist, Titanosaurus. Mm. And uh, this is where we'll spend a little bit of time talking about the newest kaiju. uh, Titanosaurus. Yes, that will be teaming up with Mechagodzilla to fight Godzilla. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nick, you always describe a monster. How would you describe Titanosaurus? He's pretty much like a dinosaur. He's got like a really long neck and kind of one of those like dinosaur fins at the top that, that them dinosaurs you had maybe in your mind mm-hmm. maybe not really originally who knows yeah because um, who knows if dinosaurs existed really <laughs> i mean they did <laughs> they did exist do we just want to be clear on the bonzilla podcast we 100 percent believe that dinosaurs existed. dinosaurs existed the earth is round <laughs> That is our core beliefs here on the Bonzilla podcast. Though that that meme or that theory about that a meteor hit the flat earth and all the dinosaurs just just slid off like a plate. That's pretty funny. It's humorous, but <laughs> yeah. not accurate. Um yeah, he kinda Yeah, I just he's led, he's a legit dinosaur in yeah. this one. But he has one uh very specific trait that you took to quite a bit. No, <laughs> You, you, you don't you don't know you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, his screech! Yeah, yeah, his screech, his it's, roar. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking it was a physical thing. Yeah, his screech is like dying humanity, <laughs> like or it, like one of those like viral videos where like a dog is screaming in a very like horrifying way. It, it is like one of those like when you hear an animal scream, sometimes it's like very surreal. And I have this fear that anytime I hear like 
goats or deer or anything make a noise like that that it's actually a human stuck in that body and i would never know no, you never know yeah and then that person's just they damned can't com- they can't communicate with you <laughs> um but yeah so the roar of titanosaurus is a combination of modified elephant trumpets and horse snorts Thinking it's kind of it, closer yeah. to a hyena though yeah like it's like laughing kind of like, <laughs> it's like, like ah! yeah <laughs> Like, like, that's what it is. Sounds like Gruntilda from Banjo. Uh, Banjo uh, yeah, so it's a giant dinosaur. Um, the one biggest note about it is that its design was to look a little bit more, for lack of a better term, real. So yeah, kind I of can, going back to those roots. That's why, of, that's why I really said it. Like, it looks like a legit like dinosaur. It looks like it does look like something that could actually exist. Well, this was another to, case to an, of, to an extent. Yeah, this is another case of. Toho moving away from like the outlandish kids element of the franchise where you had like Megalon which is a giant beetle with drill hands and then Jet Jaguar who's like a giant superhero robot um this time around it's going back to those roots of Godzilla and Anguirus where essentially it's just another living creature that is kind of more based off of something yeah. real um actually because Titanosaurus is actually a real dinosaur um but shares none of its traits i yeah. mean used to be a real dinosaur yeah, it's not well, alive anymore at, w- at one point yes it was an existing dinosaur that did exist in our society of life uh-huh. so nick um let's see as we as we move into talking about the movie proper yeah that's a, that's some information to take in we're going to talk a little bit more how this is the end of an era going the end of an era yeah we're, we'll talk about that more in the aftermath but taking in what the industry was like at the time where we're at in the Godzilla franchise right now. How are you feeling going into this movie? Because also like we talked about similar with the James Bond franchise, we are ending and entering a new phase of Godzilla movies. It's it's interesting. It's in just like, I mean, I'm not really knowing, like knowing just a little bit of what's what happens in the next era, just a little bit. And kind of some of that stuff. It's interesting because just like with the Dalton movies, I do feel that Mechagodzilla and Terror Mechagodzilla, it's almost like there is a bit of a transitional element to it, I think, just in terms of the style and kind of the storytelling. Just in comparison to like stuff like Gigan and even stuff like, yeah, like Megalon Gigan going back to even like Destroy All Monsters and stuff. This is. This just, just feels like a transition towards kind of a more structured sort mm-hmm. of storytelling and sort of a different type of focus on the human plots, which I think kind of will be interesting to see going forward as the Godzilla franchise continues to modernize, mm-hmm. um, how that kind of plays into it. Well, the biggest thing I wanted to talk about real quick is that I find it very interesting about how because without getting too in depth to it right at this moment um this what's going on in japanese entertainment right now is going to lead into kind of this being the yeah. end of an era right um and so that's what i found interesting not only that because of what's going on in entertainment at the time uh in japan but also how much it there are parallels between present day hollywood now uh-huh. which i which i find that is the most fascinating thing about that, about how um, those trends change, you know, the directions that these that this franchise yeah, I mean, is taking. Especially, I mean, and that's really 
what another part of this podcast is because these franchises have been going on for so long, mm-hmm. there are those points where the trends and societal, like the way that society is moving in from, from its entertainment and sometimes even outside the entertainment realm, mm-hmm. it, it, how these how it kind of pushes and pulls these franchises. Because when we have like, you know, we've had... You know, like stuff like, let's say, like in this era, Star Wars is coming, right? Mm. But that main Star Wars thing, it just happens in kind of, you know, between 77 and what, 80, 82, 83, right? right. Mm. And, and and it's just a short period where it's like it's such a big thing. And, and then, like, you know, obviously that there's a franchise, but it's just in terms of that little period of the original. It's mm. kind of, it just happens in a small space. We've already had these films for both Godzilla and Bond happen over the course of, we've already been celebrating like 20 year or 25 year anniversaries and stuff like that for these franchises. And it's just interesting because of the, the longevity of these franchises, they do have to be, you know, somewhat controlled and um affected by what's going on around them outside mm-hmm. of of what's happening at the studios and the filmmaking level well what you kind of brought up is the most is the biggest thing to take away from it is like this is not the end of the fran of, oh, no, of the godzilla not. franchise which is but it's super interesting like even talking about we've seen a lot about how the and i talk a lot about this as well about how the changing just viewing habits of the audience and the people of even just American culture, you know, change the way that they accept and take in mm-hmm. certain movies. And, you know, we've seen, you know, just to kind of plug another fandom we have um, that both of us share, you know, we're big Marvel people as well. And you can see, like, that's the big franchise that feeds into a little bit that way of how audiences view things with the serialized storytelling. Yeah. And it's kind of like a big TV show type thing. Um, whereas you see like other franchises just like, well, just being a big movie, um, isn't going to cut it anymore. Like, right. you know, that doesn't get the butts out of seats. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Not all the time. Some, sometimes some, sometimes it, does. it does. Um, all right. So should we talk about, uh, we got our butts into our seats, ironically, into our house seats mm-hmm. to watch this to, movie. To take in the terror <laughs> ah! of Mechagodzilla. <laughs> Mechagodzilla is just a machine. He's no match for Titanosaurus. Titanosaurus has brains. He's alive. I want to show them what he can really do. I'll teach those humans for failing to recognize me. They mocked me. Well, now they're going to eat their words. Go, Titanosaurus. We're back here on the Bonzilla podcast to talk about this movie. Here, why don't you do the, the terror and then I'll do the scream. Terror ah! of Mechagodzilla. <laughs> the terrifying guy. Ah! <laughs> uh, well, Godzilla can be a terrifying guy, you know, when he wants to show up in his own movie. Yeah. <laughs> but in all fairness, this movie isn't called The Terror of Godzilla. No. It's, it's called The Terror of Mechagodzilla, Mechagodzilla, in which it's still really Titanosaurus' show. <laughs> yeah. I mean... So we've had two movies that are marking the closing chapter of yeah. a, of a hist- part of the history of the franchise. Yeah. How does this one stack up as a cl- as a franchise closer? It's one of those movies that's like the definition of fine. Yeah. Because it's like <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. Like it's not bad but it's there's nothing that really makes it exceptional it has its bits and pieces of those like those showa type elements those like extremely goofy and weird things that like 
kind of put it up a little bit, but like, it's not. You know, it's yeah. You know, I usually compare it. It's not like on a level of like a you know a Kaigen or an All, Mas- All Monsters Attack or something like that. It's not bad, but it's not like it's just okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's okay. This movie in my collection for me, anytime I look at the canon of Godzilla movies, is almost kind of like a like it's 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 almost like the Showa series epilogue mm. almost yeah where that's a good way to put it because like in many ways like the fact that the Showa Ares leads up to Mecha Godzilla yeah like you would almost feel like that would be kind of like a good closing chapter mm-hmm. on a franchise like oh the Showa era ended in a Godzilla where this movie again I agree with you not bad and there's actually quite a bit that I did enjoy about it um but at the same time, it does kind of have it stands out as that. All right, we did Mecha Godzilla. Let's let's get out one more, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of what it feels like. And because it's sandwiched between this and the next era of Godzilla movies being yeah. f- uh, made, it, it it does kind of stand out as like the the step headed red Titanosaurus of the uh, of the uh, of the group. I think. Yeah. No. It's but it's it's like yeah. That's there's just there are things to enjoy. Yeah. And. Like it's it's just okay. Yeah. So I mean, the movie, as we've said many, as we said before, is a direct sequel to the last film. Yes, like legitimately a direct sequel. Yeah. The aliens of the black hole planet. Third th- black hole, third planet. Yeah, <laughs> which is a ludicrous name. Um, have come back. Um, and it, I just thought it's it was disappointingly it, no signs of monkeys. Yeah. In this no. One. No. They, but they do wear human faces. Yeah. At one point. One of the aliens gets his face just ripped off very casually, and it's very disgusting, and it's never brought up again. No. And it's not a monkey underneath. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we almost... There's like... How is the monkey part of the budget cut? You couldn't just like make a Planet of the Ape... <laughs> one Planet of the Ape monkey to put in? Amateurs. Amateurs. But hey, you know, tell who's going to save where they're going to save. Mm. Yeah. Just, but it's like you could have done without the monkey. Why do like why is that that guy's face gets ripped off? It's very gross. Yeah. Why do you even do that? Um we even get like this one scene where we think we're gonna learn a little bit more about them, but we don't. <laughs> like there's, there's a little bit more backstory to them in this one yeah. than there was in the last one. But it's still like hinted. It's like essentially it looks like it kind of I gathered from it that it's kind of like this reclamation terraforming for home type of yeah because like, they're they they do unlike because in mechagodzilla they're basically like oh we're just gonna take over yeah they're like, just they're, aliens they're just up. aliens they're also they're, once again casually introduced yeah once more where the alien bad guy is which i had to acknowledge was one of those things like oh like this is actually getting off on a good start um because this is actually one of the strengths of this movie is that this at least for the first time in a long time takes a stab at like we're gonna do something a little bit more with the human characters in this one, like not like deep dramatic stuff, yeah. but like we're gonna like have the human characters have a little bit more of a presence in this to one. an extent, yeah. And I did like how it opened up on these aliens, and essentially they were just talking about like how long the flight was. It's like, oh, how was your flight into Earth? And he's like, oh, you know, Terry, it, you travel throughout the solar system in a couple minutes, and it takes like an hour to like land get the, here. Get the Tokyo. Basically, the plan is is that they are going to both rebuild Godzilla, mm-hmm. and um, through the help of a ousted professor an earth scientist an earth scientist who's been ousted from the uh from the scientific community who discovered who or looks like professor wiley from the uh the uh Mega Man series 
Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, and uh, he basically had... He was this brilliant Earth, like marine biologist, Earth scientist, and he had this plan. He, he discovered Titanosaurus. You're right. And he was like, I'm going to take over Titanosaurus's brain. Like, I'm going to control him. You're right. And, like, Earth society was like, dude, that's kind of weird. That's messed up. <laughs> like, we don't want you taking over this monster. And they, like, cast him out. Mm-hmm. And now the aliens have brought him, like, into, like, you will you can take over Titanosaurus for us. And the, and the Professor Wiley guy is like, we're going to... I'm going to get my revenge on all those who cast me aside and right. show them that taking over Titanosaurus was the right thing to do. Exactly. So that that's what the plan is. So it's basically setting the stage that this guy is going to control this kaiju, the aliens are going to control Mechagodzilla, and they're going to lay waste to the planet. Yeah. And that's kind of that's its story. What, with what the with other is. specifics that we will get into. Well, the, the biggest thing is, and this is kind of, like, I did appreciate that in in a similar way that they do with Eye Patch Man from uh, the first one, from the first one, yeah, um, that they uh, are kind of giving a little bit more of like a motivation to some of the more central characters, like mm. the the evil. The, we'll just call him Doctor Wiley. I yeah. think his name is like Doctor Mafoon or something yeah, like, yeah, that. Something um, like that. But yeah, so you know, he's definitely like, oh, he's the bad guy who. Loves it. Was it his granddaughter? Was it um, or daughter? daughter. So yeah, I think it's the daughter. Yeah. So he, like he likes him, but he's also like you know blinded by vengeance. Mm-hmm. And, and then you kind of have like those little moments with the aliens. Like at least the aliens, um, they they come off a little bit more as individuals in this one. Um, it, it's little things like that that I did appreciate yeah, a, about yeah, this I can, movie. I can see that. Again, I'm kind of with you. None of it goes far enough to stand out. Right. But I, I was, that was the thing I was most thrown by. And, I'm like, I, oh, that that's pretty good. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of interesting ideas, but I don't think at the end of the day that it's structured well enough and like expanded on well enough to, to really become effective. Because like, I, I know like I'm more of a fan of the human plot line in the last movie, Mechagodzilla, than you were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel that one of the strengths of the one in Mechagodzilla was that it really did have like a lot of forward momentum, but in each step of the way felt like the next natural step mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like how the characters kind of learn things and, and kind of the quote unquote arcs of the characters. Like it, in the story, it kind of made sense step by step. Whereas in this one, there was like a lot of interesting things about what the characters were doing, but there were some like skipped steps in terms of getting characters sure, from sure. one place to another. Um, and one the another set of characters so like that's the human like the kind of the villain plot line mm-hmm. the hero plot line the kind of movie opens with um this like submarine crew trying to find the head of mechagodzilla like mm-hmm. they they think like oh he fell into the ocean over here we're trying to figure it out and they quickly figure out that oh they're they're attacked by this mysterious monster titanosaurus it turns out to be titanosaurus and so then, like, Interpol and, like, the Marine Biology Lab in Tokyo is, like, teams up together to try to figure out, like, well, what is this monster? Right. How can we defeat him? All this sort of stuff. And then it, it turns out that they they discover that the professor, Dr. Wiley, had discovered mm-hmm. his character, his creature. And then they go to the daughter I, or the granddaughter. I had this thought when watching this movie. So Nick and I have had this conversation recently more most recently because uh we just saw the incredibles 2 yes or incredibles 2 so, just incredibles just, just, just incredibles no, 2 the, the, and um i'm not going to spoil that movie at all 
But we did have this conversation about this and several other big movies where it seems like I feel that there's this trend of there's a reveal of like something else going on. Yeah. Like, like, the, 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 like a lot of movies, especially animated movies, um, is this like you don't know the villain or you don't know what's actually going on mm-hmm. until like right before the third act. And a lot of times with these movies, some of them they work. Yeah. Some of them they do. S- others are like, well, if you just had this villain or just had this reveal earlier and like made that just the straight up like point of the movie, mm-hmm. you could have maybe filmed feared something stronger. I, I just think it's interesting because whether it be a plot thing or you're right, like a character that like this person's actually the villain. Like it's the reason I bring this up now is because it stood out to me in this movie and various other Godzilla movies before this, how very transparent they are about what's going on. Yeah. Like, you know, they they introduce like this doctor character who wanted to control Titanosaurus, but they're like, oh, he died. Um, but like very, but very, almost like the next scene or the next two scenes, they're establishing, they're, they're putting all the pieces out on the, on the board that it's like, all right, everybody thinks that this guy's dead, but he's actually working for the good guys. Um, now in some ways, you know, I kind of criticize, uh, view to a kill for this because that's more of like, they reveal the plan of the bad guy the whole time and then the rest of the movie is James Bond trying to catch up with it and it yeah. kind of count, yeah. counter I mean there's there's itself. a difference between like um kind of that dramatic irony yeah. and like using it effectively like right, it's used right. effect to an extent a little bit but this yeah. is kind of that case where it's like you could easily be like oh like oh the doctor was alive the whole time ah. yeah but this time they just like oh he's just working for the bad guys everybody thinks he's dead mm-hmm. and, and to be fair you kind of get a little bit more out of him that you know he's just he's one just of the e- characters. Just, yeah, he's just evil and like he has like his yeah. own little personal. He, he's so evil that sometimes it cuts to him toasting with the alien. Remember that? There's this one shot in the movie where it just cuts to them toasting a glass of wine, and it just cuts in mid laugh like. Ha, 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 ha. And no, like, and then, those yeah. guys are evil. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and then like the laugh like transitions over the next scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's like ha, 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 ha. it's like it's like the good guys are like walking down a hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to get to the other kind of main plot line yeah. of this movie, uh-huh. so the Interpol guys and the and the Marine Brothers guys, two of them go over to the professor's old house, and they encounter a, a, the daughter. I think he's the daughter. She's yeah. the daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one who's like, "Oh, he's dead. I burned all of his research." And and the guy's like, "Oh, but like, do you have anything?" He's like, "No, go away." Slams the door, and then you find out. That's why you find out she knows. She goes down to her father, right, the professor, right. and he, she's like, "Oh, by the way, these two guys were looking for you and your research." And right, like, right, oh, they right. Finally, believe me. Yeah. And then, so from there, one of those marine biologist guys and like her, 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 <laughs> the, the daughter. Yeah. Like they, there. It feels like they're. This movie's trying to be like, oh, there's like epic romance of like, oh, oh I didn't get that at all. <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing. Oh, I guess so. Yes, no, I know what you're, I know what you're getting at. Because like the thing is, is like I thought it was just like, like he comes back up to her. It's like, oh, you should join us on our. We're gonna go back out there to to, to face off with this monster. We've made a faster ship, and um, you know, it's, it, you know, you should come out because your father would be so proud. And originally. She's like, oh no, you shouldn't go out. It's too dangerous. And like, right. I thought it was just like, oh, she just feels bad. Like she's not totally on a board with her father. Mm-hmm. But we'll get a little bit more. I we we'll kind of wait till the end of the movie to talk about the end of the movie. But like, then it transitions to like by the end, it's like, oh, I, I loved you and I would always <laughs> love you. And it's like 
there, that's where I'm talking about. There's like the step missing in between yeah. where it's like, okay, like you 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 were setting up something fine with like, oh, like she just is concerned because she doesn't want innocent people to die, and then it comes into like. Oh, this is not who you are because we also find well, out. Well, I was going to say, you are skipping a oh, no, big I part in the leading, middle. I was leading up to this. Is when we this. find out that she is a cyborg. Yeah, she is a cyborg <laughs> in that, like, she got, basically, she died, essentially. Yeah. Like, during her father's original Titanosaurus experiment. Yeah, there's a flashback where it's, like, it's like classic like tortured scientist yeah like oh like the fruit like the the fruits of my labor have actually cost more than it gained yeah. like that that's it's kind of like like, one a, of like a very futurama-esque yeah. like parody <laughs> where they're like he's like all right hit like the the thing hit on the, the board and then she dies <laughs> yeah, she, just, like, she hits this thing and she like convulses for a second just collapses but the best part about that is she dies and then the aliens, who I guess are here already, yeah. they, they were already in cahoots with each other. They just come into the room immediately, pick her up, and take her away. Yeah. And he's like, "What's going on? Like, and then who it, are you?" And then it reveals, like later on, that they're like rebuilding her. Um, yeah, making and, her the bionic woman. Essentially. Yeah. Also, uh, the first Godzilla movie with boobs in it. Yes. Where we got we got a little nipple in View to a Kill. We got full on breasts in. Uh, in, in, in terror of Mechagodzilla. Well, yeah, because, you know, boobs are the big thing in Japan these yeah, I get, days. Yeah, that was like kind of doing this research and like, ah, that's how they snuck them in here. Because there's no reason that they need to be yeah. as present. As prominent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just the way they, because she's on, basically what it is, she's on the operating table, like, like turned, switched off because she's a robot. And, you know, they're rebuilding her and then it's just like her open chest, which actually, a lot of like the sets and the, physical practical stuff look pretty decent in this mm-hmm. movie uh but it's like her her whole body's open and her breasts are all out it's like yeah. that's that's odd yeah so the maker the aliens make her do a cyborg and their plan it's and it eventually gets to like oh she's gonna be the control yeah for mechagodzilla we're basically going to connect her robot brain to right, mechagodzilla and, cause the, oh because the professor has this line where he's like mechagodzilla will never be as good as a real monster it takes a real brain <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> you're make, like I, I know like we compared to the dr wiley but you're really like pushing for a professor farnsworth yeah, comparison you can't, can't you see it i can see it no totally it makes complete it must sense. have a real brain good news everyone <laughs> i have finally controlled titanosaurus <laughs> wonderful um but anyway he eventually does um and they get control of uh mechagodzilla Right, because uh, they were building him from the last we one. We are almost 45 minutes into this movie, and Godzilla is not in it. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about that, because yeah. we've had previous movies like um, Invasion of Astro Monster, where like Godzilla's barely in the movie. Yeah. This one, you can feel that, you can definitely feel that Godzilla's barely in the movie, but I do still feel that it's structured well enough, where like... I can kind of buy kind of how they're putting Godzilla in the movie. Yeah. Like, again, I wish there was more because the first, you know, there's really no monster action for the first two thirds of the movie. No. And I, I, again, I would give it just the slight pass because there is some more, a little bit more meat to the human stuff. Yeah. That, that's the only reason where they're kind of building it up as like more of this scientific conspiracy thing and again yeah. i'm not saying it's great but it, no, it definitely I mean, like i said it's fine but it it works a little bit better than something like an astral monster like this is another movie where like godzilla's barely in it right 
where it's just kind of like, oh, I mean, we could have probably used more. Like, well, you, you also still like, know you could use more, but it's still... Once Godzilla appears, it's like, okay, he's here. Yeah, and it's, it's also plot-wise in Astro Monster. It's just like th- there's a little bit more plot mechanics in this that make it a little bit more dynamic to yeah. watch. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, so that's what it is. But another thing that defines the Showa era a lot is when Godzilla finally shows up. Mm-hmm. So Godzilla shows up, and they give him an entrance. Like, he's in the shadows at first. Then he's like, oh, it's the Godzilla roar. They give him a big, like, sweeping shot where he's in it, to which uh, Tyce Tannosaurus immediately runs away uh king kong style and so one of my favorite weird little effects where he jumps off of <laughs> he jumps off of the screen remember that yes yeah there's this weird very awkward placement of green screen and mat work where godzilla tantanosaurus is over the mountain already and then you could see him get off of screen and it looks like what happened is that they filmed him jumping off of a soundstage. Yeah. It just looks like he's jumping off of a mountain out of, into out the of horizon. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's really funny. But the, the second time he shows up uh, is one of these very obligatory, like, there's these school kids in the middle. At this point, Titanosaurus and Mechagodzilla, they're going to, like, now it's like, destroy Earth. Right, because they've, you know, they've... So basically, kind of how that works, too, is that... So basically, the the girl is like... I'm I'm having second thoughts about this. We're gonna kill other humans. Then they basically like wipe her brain and make her like, yeah. I am evil, yeah. robot cyborg. Uh, but yeah, so now Ty- Michael Godzilla and Titanosaurus are finally teaming up and they're kicking Tokyo's butt. Yeah, and, and then yeah, so these two like, there's like these two kids like a school is like running away and these two ki- this one kid's like, no, I'm gonna look. And he's like, okay, I'll I'll join you. Blah blah blah. And then um. Titanosaurus, somebody, I think it's Titanosaurus is going to like step on them or something. Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. You see the no! see the foot coming. Down. You see the foot coming down. And he's like no, and then Godzilla comes in for the rescue. And I just thought that is really showing you that we're in the Showa era yeah. because the Showa era is very much defined that eventually Godzilla became like a, a hero. A hero. Yeah, and I just thought it was so funny that they did it so explicitly that like a kid is. In- Two kids are in trouble and Godzilla swoops yeah, like, in at the last obviously, minute. Obviously, like that has been something that's defined and, and something you do think about kind of once just knowing bits and pieces about Godzilla is like, you know, the first two, three appearances, even up to Mothra, he's kind of like this like evil force of nature. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like with Abira and then onwards, he's very much like, oh, he's the hero of the Japanese people and he's fighting all these other creatures and monsters mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And, and and this one really does make him like a hero figure. Like he, there's another part where like he gets like kicked, I guess, and basically he does like an Undertaker sit up. Yeah, he, like he's like ah, and he like <laughs> shoots his beams. Oh, like, well, that's know. when he's buried underground. Yeah, and he pops up like a whack a mole. Yeah, like like <laughs> like I said, like or like a, un, like the Undertaker where he's like you know like the sit up like you see like in gifs. That I thought was amazing. Yeah, um, but like talking about the fights and just like the the monster action and anything, there's a little bit of. As we move into the next series of films, um, you can definitely tell that they've come a long way in like both making these suits and also mm-hmm. uh, filming them. Yeah, uh, that they do feel a little bit more in that it's clearly people in suits and they're on you know sound stages. But there is kind of like a, a cool kind of physical quality yeah. to them in the way that they're lit is really cool. You could see definitely when the monster stuff starts happening in those big shots of the monsters finally coming together you can tell that they yeah. are stripping away more of the 
kid elements yeah. and making it more. The of only like thing a I'll spectacle. say about the costumes is there are points where like the Titanosaurus suit does feel like it's like a human in a suit, mostly because like his his towards the end of the fight, his his stuff is just like kicking Godzilla when he's on. The oh, ground. I thought that would be my criticism of all of it. I felt like this was the most like people it felt like people in suits yeah yeah the only thing like with titanosaurus like it's funny because i could kind of like if you could argue that like oh it's being controlled by a human yeah so like maybe your, the movements are a little bit more human-esque but you do kind of feel it too in in both godzilla and mechagodzilla that's a yeah. little bit more human-esque i did enjoy the brawling aspect of the fights yeah. like it's legitimately godzilla and titanosaurus boxing each other yeah and i did quite enjoy that i also quite, did enjoy like the consistency of Godzilla getting kicked like a football field length away. I love when Do- when Kaiju get kicked because they get kicked and like clearly it's like the the they're on a string yeah. right and they're being just like gently pulled across the screen. But it's just so funny like they there's these weird anti gravity defying kicks that the body just like 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 titanosaurus will kick godzilla and he's just like flying through the air like like legitimately like hundreds of yards away like crashes into a mountain it's pretty pretty good it's pretty spectacular um and uh then uh there is and i did enjoy the element of that you know this is not a bad way of interweaving the human and monster action before because what the humans do by defeating the aliens and the bad guys within the command center weakens Mechagodzilla a little bit so Godzilla can come in for the kill. And I was like, all right, that's kind of, that's a tasteful way of like, because you got to, that's the inherent problem I think with kaiju movies is like you you do struggle to find like how can these. How can they balance? Yeah, how can, well, how can they even intersect? Yeah. Because it's not like, because, you know, you have to have like the humans do stuff, but, you know, you can't. But it's not like, you know, th- this is a terrible example, but like, it's like if you did a Transformers movie, if they ever did one, uh, but if you, but like, if they ever made one of these but if you did Transformers one movies. of the things you would have to do, and they often have struggled at this is like, you, but you do have that opportunity of like, well, the Transformers, you know, are living things that can talk and you can have them interact with people. You don't necessarily have that luxury right. with Kaiju. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like this was a interesting way of like, coalescing both storylines godzilla mega godzilla's head explodes once again but there's a backup head within the head yes yes because at the beginning of the movie they actually re like they do like a recap like a previously on godzilla recap yes of, yeah of mecha godzilla versus godzilla in that fight in that one and you you remember in, God, in mecha godzilla the, the defeat happens when godzilla basically snaps mecha godzilla's neck off mm-hmm. but this one yes so he, he does it again but this time there's an internal brain yeah. that basically can still function and fight. Uh, fun fact in the um, in that Godzilla video game I have, yeah, um, Godzilla 2014, I believe it's called. Uh, there is the opportunity to play as both Mechagodzilla one and Mechagodzilla two, and the only big difference between Mechagodzilla two is that once you defeat him, he gets just a sliver more of life, and his head comes off, and it's mm-hmm. like the little the, the little, little brain, brain head. Um, so that yeah. that's what I had to say. Um, I want to take a little bit of the time, uh, mostly in this portion and in the aftermath, talking about the Showa series itself. Yeah. So I do, I do. I mean, what? I, so any last kind yeah, of like words we, about? We, sh- we should talk about like how it kind of ends. To be t- to be quite honest, so Godzilla fights everybody and, yeah. and and basically wins. But the girl 
is essentially like, well, as long as I exist, you know, as a cyborg, you know, as a as a controller of Mechagodzilla, you know, uh, they there will always be a chance. So basically, like the in this one of our favorite lines of this movie, yeah, maybe the quote, I'm not sure, yeah, but the the. The one of the guys, like the ocean dude, yeah. like the guy with the ocean marine biology, is like holding her, and she's like gotten shot, and he's like, "I don't care if you're still a cyborg, I still love you, and I'll always love you." <laughs> totally earned. Yeah, totally a hundred percent earned. <laughs> and then she decides to basically take a gun and shoot herself, right. to like basically confirm Mechagodzilla's death. Right. The other thing I want to mention is at the end of this movie. I feel really bad for Titanosaurus because <laughs> earlier in the movie, earlier in the movie when they're talking about the research they've done on Titanosaurus, they're like, oh, he's an extremely peaceful and docile creature yeah. that like doesn't attack. It's made explicitly clear several times that this is a monster who's being controlled yeah. like by brainwaves. And so at the end of the movie, obviously like the, the monsters, the aliens have been defeated, the girls killed herself. So Mechagodzilla is just like ecstatic. He but Godzilla just wrecks him, and like the the, the controls the Titanosaurus like stop. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla st- doesn't know obviously that Titanosaurus should be a diacile creature. So you see Godzilla just like blasting and fighting God- Titanosaurus, and Titanosaurus is like, wait, what happened? Like, <laughs> where am I? Yeah. Oh my God, Godzilla, no! And it's like I felt really bad for him at the end of the. There movie. were several moments when I thought like, oh, this is when he's just gonna run away. Yeah. But Godzilla kept on. Like b- b- shooting blasts at him, yeah, kicking him. But yeah. oh, it was, and that then, was funny. and then the movie does end with Godzilla kind of swimming off into the sunset. A very odd looking Godzilla, yeah. In that light. Which actually, there's a story behind that where that is a Godzilla suit that they would use in promotional material. Mm. Um, and it, it could also be seen briefly used. Uh, there's that scene, remember when there's two Godzillas in the scene before. You reveal that it's Mecha Godzilla in the last movie. The last movie. That's what that other suit was suit used was, for. Okay. Um, yeah. um, but it's just like, and then and, and yeah, like I was yeah. So that's just kind of the end of the movie, and uh, I did not feel the romance was earned because it was kind of a weird like, wait, the, oh, there's a romantic thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's weird, and maybe like this is where it may just kind of come down into the middle of the rankings. Yeah, I mean, like I said, because you're not, right, it, it's, not it's bad. It's not poorly put together because the bad Godzilla movies are the ones that are just completely poorly put together this yeah. still is competently made yeah. and still has those entertaining elements and the brief fleeting moments of like where the human plot line works and the brief fleeting moments where you still have fun the Godzilla fights kind of still puts it right in the middle mm-hmm. but it's nothing more than fine yeah it, it really feels like like I said just like that epilogue like that kind of like hangnail like that loose mm. the, just that loose piece that's at the end of an era um and the only other thing i have to say about it is at one point uh one of the main bad guy aliens uh punishes his subordinates by sitting in his throne and whipping them and then setting <laughs> off the, so you know he's whipping them he's whipping them he's like oh you guys have failed send them off to the execution chamber <laughs> Not only yes, do they just like yes, like they whip him, they whip these like three guys. They're all on the ground like writhing, and then he's like, "Send them off to the execution chamber." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like, you know, you're evil when you build your own execution chamber. Nick, with this movie, it's mm-hmm. 1975. 1975. It's been close to 20 years around that of Godzilla films. Mm. This is the era that kind of covers the gambit of what Godzilla is. 
in a little bit. We started out in 1954 as it's just kind of new tragedy, like uh, like like allegory. For, yeah, uh, yeah. Allegory. I was gonna say like what 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 do you fuck, what a natural disaster yeah. is like movies yeah. and like kind of monster movie thing. Uh, then you get the cash grab right after that, mm-hmm. um, and then you get like the blockbuster after that, and then you get what type of blockbuster after that? You get kind of like oh, just broad, silly entertainment. Then it's going down to like all right, these are going to be kids movies. Then we've talked about how the how they came across seas, and at first it was like oh, this niche little Japanese thing. To America's looking at it like oh, this is just stupid kids entertainment and then you see a little bit that they're trying to get more of the prestige back by making it quality blockbuster entertainment to varying degrees and now we are here what are your thoughts well it's always been interesting because because i do think you're right that it does really does define the 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 scope of what godzilla is because when you have like that first one it still like really stands out as just like fantastic filmmaking and very serious allegory and and emotional like you you know that scene the praying scene in that first Godzilla movie still sticks with you mm-hmm. and and when you think about it but then i always felt like what what's really interesting and what really defines i think the showa era is just how varied the movies are mm-hmm. and and i i remember you know i've been listening to some of those older episodes just to kind of get me kind of in the mood to talk showa and what really was striking is just remembering like how distinct like someone how they would play with genre outside of you know the 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 monster stuff that it wasn't all just strictly like really you know it's always a sci-fi element but sometimes you leaned more into the sci-fi element sometimes you kind of you know you did the desert island movie and you made it more comedic and you you know or like you know you tried to sort of like those like weird romantic comedy elements of, of of kind of raids again and stuff like that and you really kind of played the gamut of like you could to tell any type of story in a Godzilla movie and just put Godzilla in it. Mm-hmm. The, the a lot of the show era has really been about the transition from Godzilla as a villainous force of nature mm-hmm. to a heroic figure. Mm-hmm. Like that really defines how the era transitions. Mm-hmm. I think for me, one of the big elements is that I would consider the first one, especially now. And it's interesting that it probably wasn't as much considered back then, but I would consider the first one to be like a prestige film. Oh, it is. Yeah. I Um, mean, and and to an extent, like if you, if you say that like, this is an epilogue of uh the Tower of Mechazella, to some extent, the original Gojira is like a prologue to Mm -hmm. the show era. It's like, it stands on its own. Well, as as part of like this ongoing series, but I just find it fascinating the type of legs it has, despite the types of movies it is. But then also another parallel between our between uh, with Bond is that there is a bit of a difference between what Bond is originally, like going all the way back to the Fleming yeah. novels and everything, where the movies are now more of like. Like silly gadgets and yeah. like you know outlandish like uh like adventures a little mm-hmm. bit where I would say like the Fleming novels weren't exactly that 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 no. way so you know I find that super interesting because there's a lot of people who would be like who like because I like the 2014 Godzilla movie because I think it's a best representation of that original. 54 film Mm -hmm. but i think there's a lot of people like well no godzilla's got to be goofy and like you know he's got to fight monsters got to be outlandish which i'm all for right but 
like what what do you think about that just about the legs it has despite it like kind of changing its yeah, legacy i mean i think like 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 i just said um you know you need to make it silly and the comedy and the the, the, the goofiness is what kind of brings you back just like sort of with the bond stuff especially in this the arrow that we're in it's just like yeah like the hard edge will will take you a little bit but you still need some of the the, the weird elements of bond to to really kind of people like to enjoy that stuff I just and, think- and I do think that for um, for Godzilla, I, I, I do think that there are really good movies in there that really kind of keep it, you know, up and about. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you did have, like, a bunch of Gigans, obviously, like, you wouldn't be going anywhere with it. But, like, the fact that it's, like, they're prestige in their own way. Like, you know, like, I've talked about it a million times. Like, Ghidorah is, is excellent and, you know... Um, Stuff like Mechagodzilla and even let's just the fun weirdness of Megalon. You know, I think it just kind of keeps you intact mm-hmm. and it keeps you invested in in the continuation of this series. They weren't precious about the franchise. No, I think. no, no, no. But I would argue that led to it being infinitely more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's what's cool about at least it's definitely the show era is that you really could just stick whatever kaiju concept or movie concept or mm-hmm. storyline that you wanted and throw it at the wall and see if it stuck mm-hmm. you know you could have a, a woman who thinks she's a phoenician or might be a phoenician mm-hmm. you could have you know um this shrinking robot thing you could have um you know this ancient dog lion god like you could right. just throw anything at the wall right and it's could stick or not and yeah. i think that's what really defines the show era to me is it's like it's just a bunch of these films that you know they do try to push out and they push out a lot and because they're pushing them out a lot and they're pushing them out like years or sometimes two in a year mm-hmm. you, you do just kind of throw something at the wall and hope that it sticks and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of what made discovering these movies fun because even with the bond like if we compare it to the bond like well, we, we had bond was bond films that were coming out like one year at a time or very very close to each other up mm-hmm. until like spy who loved me and at that point they were like okay well we're just developing this quickly like let's like put out a bunch of cool ideas and this one was kind of similar to that well that was going to be my next question now since we are at the we've ended two eras what would be any parallels or similarities you would find between the first era of Bond being Connery, Lazenby, and more mm-hmm. um, versus, or comparatively with the Showa era. Just like from either specifics or bigger, broader yeah, franchise so ideas. There are a lot of interesting parallels like that we've come across through the podcast, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, like I said, like how initially these films were both made pretty quickly one after the other and mm-hmm. just kind of the weird productions of both um, were, were very interesting. Um, I do feel like it's very interesting sort of how both franchises do have a sort of ebb and flow. Maybe not the exact same ebb and flow, but we've talked about it with Bond a lot. Like, I, I think one of the biggest comparisons, like, that's kind of also a contrast, is the approach to these movies. Because these are both movies where there were no qualms about, like, we're not going to stop making these. No. Obviously. But, like, with the Bond movies... There is a lot more of that comes from a matter of like, well, we're going to make these, but we're going to get the right people to Mm -hmm. make them like they're very careful and very specific about who they choose. Japan and Toho was just like, oh, no, just crank them out. Come on, let's go. Like uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, as long as it was going to be moderately successful and we've seen that Toho was like, well, these movies aren't going to be successful anymore. Uh, let's go out with a bang with Destroy All Monsters. And they're like, oh, people like it. Fine. We'll make we'll make some more. But it's two different approaches 
that have maintained a franchise. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, which, very interesting. Um, you know what's what it is about these franchises, especially in these eras. There's an element of stubbornness from the filmmaking side of things. Because with with explain well, because with with Toho, it's more so like no matter what, they're just like yeah, let's let's pump these out. <laughs> right. Like, no matter what's going on in their filmmaking, no matter what's going on in society, they're just like yeah, like no, we can we can keep doing these, keep doing them. And with Bond, it's like you know, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit of this next time uh, when we get to kind of the end of Dalton. But there is an extent of, like, Broccoli and Saltzman originally are just like, there's no way we're going to stop. No matter if, if things are bad, if things are getting sold off, if we're if there's, you know, Kevin McClory's trying to do a thing, if if MGM's kind of going under, if United Art is getting sold, there's no matter what, like, this is our thing. We're going to keep pushing these out and pushing these out and pushing these out because we like doing them. And there's a different element of that stubbornness. But I think, like, it's just, like, both of them, both Toho and Broccoli – and uh, Eon are both just like, we want to make these for different reasons, but we mm-hmm. want to make these. We're going to keep doing them. Mm-hmm. I have two things, and then we'll close. We'll close out the show. Yeah, but I have two big comparisons of both of these franchises. Why I think it's great that they're franchises thus far yeah. with these two eras yeah. of film. One and one's going to be a smart one. One's going to be a childish one. Yeah, we'll start with the smart one. Okay. I legitimately like watching or having the franchise of Godzilla films, having the franchise of of uh, James Bond films, because it is almost like a little example of film history a mm-hmm. little bit through, because I am a big, I to this day am a person of, and I've only cemented my feet into this more, is like, I like popular art. I like... You know, I you know I, I like all kinds of films, blah 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 blah. But I I do like seeing like what's going on in like the broad entertainment and the popular art and the blockbusters and what that because I think that those say a lot more about what's going on in culture and society than a lot of people give credit give give credit for. Mm-hmm. And you know, with the Bond films, it's a lot about like oh, we get like the black exploitation Bond film, and in this, uh, in as much as we don't like it, All Monsters Attack is talking about latchkey kids and and everything, and you can just see this little uh, succinct history of yeah. film throughout these franchises. Exactly. Like, I, that's a really good point because you even talk about like it's film history and societal history, like stuff that's going on in the times mm-hmm. of those movies. Like, I even think about something like you know, Diamonds Are Forever, and just like kind of seeing like that old school. Vegas and yeah. stuff like that and and with with Godzilla just kind of seeing a different side of of history and seeing kind of Japanese societal history and and all that sort of stuff too is very fascinating. And the last thing I would say this is well, the I, and one more oh, so, yeah, one more ahead. just like how like we talk about Moonraker and like how oh it was so influenced by Star Wars. But mm-hmm. it's just interesting to kind of look back and that like no like this did like how Star Wars had an impact even James Bond is is kind of doing the Star Wars thing. Well cuz it's a little bit different than like oh like Star Wars came out so here were some other Star Wars knockoffs that we could probably have fun with. Yeah. But it's interesting to see in the James Bond franchise where it's like it wasn't that and then the next movie it was that because yeah. of something else yeah. going on. But the other sillier element I have I just think these franchises, not every franchise has it. Because we've talked about franchises that, you know, don't necessarily, they don't really last as much as other people would think they would. Like the YA series we always talk about. Yeah. Like that's 
always struggling. And we can go into like why people, because as much as we argue this all the time, people like superheroes. That's why people keep going to see these movies. That's why The Incredibles 2 made $80 million. <laughs> but I just, million, there I is say. something, there's just something kind of, I think, enjoyably silly about these movies. They, no, it, and it I is. think that people don't give credit that, you know what, You sometimes you just get attracted to what is silly and cool, kind of. Like, James Bond, the, all these been movies some... are not these good, but you kind of get on board with, like, it's the international man of mystery with the gadgets. Right. No matter how like much each, they come through on that like, promise. Like, the thing about each each Bond movie, maybe except for View to a Kill, has really had that, like, one silly element that makes it enjoyable, even if I don't enjoy the whole product. Mm-hmm. Like, every movie has its you know, slide whistle. Every movie has its, you know, going to space thing. Yeah. And like, same thing with the Godzilla movies. Like, each one, maybe except for All Monsters Attack, and there's a little bit of fun to be had with just how bad that movie is. Mm-hmm. But each one has that one element of like, oh, Godzilla does his little Godzilla dance in this one. Oh, like, Godzilla is... um you know, fighting, you know, has a kid and teaching him how to make a smoke ring. Like, yeah. there's different elements of, like, the silly and the stupid of each one of these movies. Well, it's also specific, because I do think there's something specific about, like... Because, you know, I don't want to shit... I'm not trying to shit on this, but, like, with a YA series, it's, like, all about, like, oh, this teen is the chosen one, and they yeah. have to get the key into the volcano that's going to unlock the the mother brain or whatever. I, like, I don't know. That's probably yeah. got to be one. But at the end of the day, like... You know, this is about like, oh, this is a giant monster that's portrayed by a giant man in, or by a man in a suit. Like this is a this is a guy with uh with a uh, a key that can unlock anything. <laughs> like it's just there's just something inherently enjoyably silly that I think triggers that part of us that just kind of want to kind of laugh. Like I was out at lunch this morning and there's this baby. Um, not sitting by itself with like grandparents or whatever. And the yeah. mom was across the thing. And the mom is just going like, oh, oh, just making little silly things. And that baby's just laughing, just laughing up a storm. What I'm trying to say, Nick, is I think that everybody inside is a baby. And every now and then, we just want that little silly thing for us to chuckle at. And the reason I'm passionate about this, <laughs> the reason I'm we're all babies about, inside. The reason I'm passionate about this is because I do think that as more and more time goes on, and maybe it's just because I'm living in the present and I see people talking about this. I do feel like at times the film circles and people can be very like, "Oh, we're above that, though." Yeah, like, and I don't mean to sound like no. I mean, I think like there is the to me. I feel like there is this sense that. Like, I, I have no qualms about being like, oh, yeah, that was kind of dumb and fun, I mean, I mean, and I really you, liked it. You do see that, like, how in every kind of industry, how there is this kind of, like, well, we have to be taken seriously because like, it's art. Right. And and this happens in film. It happens in television. happens in video games. happens in music where people are like, well, we want to push aside, like, that silly stuff where people won't take us seriously. But that silly stuff and that stuff that you don't take as seriously is as much art in and of itself because it's a different type of enjoyment. It's a different type of art. So like a video game like, you know, Last of Us, where everybody's like, oh, it's like art and it's so serious and real. Mm-hmm. And then you get something like, you know, the silly stuff mm-hmm. in that in the industry. Like, you know. Whatever yeah, that saying, Rick and Morty game is. <laughs> whatever that Rick and Morty game is. Or even sometimes people will dismiss like what Nintendo does because right. it's all kitty and silly. Or people will like, uh, like mobile games are like, all of them are bad. But it's like, no, there's, they're art in their own ways. Yeah. And I, I just think that 
it is it does feed into a very natural part of us and i'm not saying like oh if you don't like this stuff then like yeah, get no, you, i'm not saying that no. i'm just saying that there i do feel like there is some value into seeing because these franchises have lasted long and, and this last, is the reason and, and i think really so. do have like these franchises before we move on like even within just the the the, the three bonds that we were kind of defining here and the show era there's a whole bunch of variety in mm-hmm. in those and it's like you can kind of if you like you more serious bonds or your more serious godzillas there's a couple here if you like your sillier bonds and your sillier godzillas you know, if you like your Moors and you like your Megalons, there's there for you. If mm-hmm. you like your, you know, your Doctor Knows and your kind of Mecha Godzillas, your kind of slightly more serious stuff, like yeah, as you're there for you. Agreed. Um. Anyway, uh, wanted to take up most of the conversation to do that because there really wasn't much to say about the post release except that the movie uh, did not do that well. Mm. Uh, very much underperformed. Um, and there was a worry about that because, like, as I said before. Uh, people weren't going to the theater. No as much butts as in the seats. And there were not that many butts in the seats. And uh, this had caused Toho to uh, take a indefinite hiatus uh, with uh, So, like, Godzilla. for the first time in a while, there's just no Godzilla no, plans? No Godzilla movies. But it is interesting to know that unlike other times, you know, before Destroy All Monsters came out, before or um, after Godzilla Raids Again came out, there wasn't the sense of like we're shelving Godzilla, like mm-hmm. no more Godzilla. Like during this time period where they were on hiatus, they were very much developing scripts. They were taking in ideas and seeing what could be, what could be a story, what they could do with it next. Um, and it would be quite some time until we got there. But Godzilla is taking a break after this movie, um, but is uh, brewing up a brewing up a something new. Interesting. Um, but in terms of where fans lie with this. I think fans were a little bit more favorable towards this one because it kind of went back to some of those elements of like a little bit darker. Um, they liked the attempt at the characters and some of the monster yeah. stuff worked. Yeah, I mean, it's, I can see you liking this, but I, I just think it's fine. Yeah, it is fine. That, that, that's all it is. Um, Nick, this has been one of my favorite conversations when it comes to Godzilla as we close out uh, two eras. Uh, but it uh, uh, until the next one. That was the end of the Showa era. That is, that is it. So we close out the Showa era, and next time, Nick, we'll be getting the Heishi era. The Heishi. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think so. It's spelled weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we will uh, be uh, with um, Godzilla Returns. Ooh. Godzilla Returns, Nick, in <laughs> Godzilla Returns. Who's Harrison Ford in this movie? Oh, yeah. Harrison Ford in this movie. I... He's always a captain. He could be the the captain of that first submarine that gets yeah. destroyed. <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's always a captain. He's like uh, he's like coming back. And he's like, oh, finally a boat that nothing's going on with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that yeah, could be it. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Um. All right, Nick. Well, next time's not a Godzilla movie. It is no. a James Bond movie. No, Where, it's not. What are we got? What are we getting into next? So just as the summer of Dalton begins, it. <laughs> Will end. Comes to a close. We get to the second of Dalton's two movies. Um, a very interesting piece. Um, again, I don't want to spoil too much. All I will say once again, Bond goes rogue <laughs> in uh, License to Kill. And it's funny because there are actually some parallels between kind of where Godzilla is here mm-hmm. and where the Godzilla is, or sorry, where the Bond series is post-Dalton. Mm. Uh, so there are some some 
some some parallels that I will be talking about. So, yeah, we'll get into that then. Um, I guess I should also note, um, I do not know what episode availability or new episode availability will be because this comes out June. Yes. We're still in June. Yeah. Uh, July, I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah. So if maybe we may have to take a brief hiatus yeah. of, of some As much as I don't want of, to. Uh, no. Well, it'll still be summer yeah. uh, later. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we're going to manage that one. Yeah. But just kind of give a heads up to that. Yeah. But until then, I'm done. We're done. We're done. Plugs. Yeah. <laughs> we got Twitter.com slash Bonzilla 007. We got Facebook.com slash Bonzilla 007. Oh, wow. This is getting sultry. You can like and subscribe. Oh. iTunes and sound. I'm trying to appeal to that Japanese audience <laughs> that wanted all the boobs back in the 70s. Uh, Pink like, films. Pink yeah, films. SoundClub, SoundCloud.com slash Bonzilla 007. Like and subscribe. You guys have been really into the Living Daylights episodes. Just want to thank you for listening. Yeah. It's one of our most successful episodes yet. So uh, thanks again. All right. Well, uh, I'm good. We're good. Yep. Grease is weird. Yeah, Grease is weird. <laughs> weird movie. <laughs>